Ustedes me rampan para el caso de la total. Now then, learns the Gemara not that Rashi. It's very interesting. And if you think about it, we have to understand the Rams finish in the Gemara. It's not something we would have thought of at first two glances of the Gemara. So the Gemara says the following. The Rams says the following. La Oilam Yarbe Adam Bishtika. A person should always uh, increase being quiet. And when a person speaks, it should either be to share Chachma or necessities, which I have to, which are necessary for what to live, whatever it's going to be, I have to ask for help or explain something, whatever the case might be. In other words, one a person should never engage in small talk or in some social conversation. Either you're trying to teach something or you need something. Amr al-Rav Talmud Rabbeinu al-Kaddish Instead of Rav, the great Rav, the, the first Amaray The Talmud Rabbi Yeranasi Shalai Sakh Sikha Bittay Lekoyama He never spoke unnecessary words in his life Vizoi Sikha Zerayf Kaladim That Sikha Bittay In the conversations where most people spend the time talking about Now, says Rambam That which I said that a person is allowed to speak For things which are necessary for his body Vafilu Bittayche Aguf Evil is coming to talk about things which are necessary for his body. No yarba al-dvar. The person shouldn't elaborate. And then Chazal said that the more a person speaks, the more it's likely to cause a person to, to make mistakes with speech. Which chayt? Which chayt are you talking about? So it could be any of the which are negated to the deeper. If a person speaks less, then there's less opportunity to to, to flatter anyone, or to lie, or to speak Lashon Hara, or whatever it's going to be. Speak Tzadis, whatever it's going to be, which is, a, which is a negative part of Dibur. So, speaking less is a way to prevent possible Mishadi. That's the one Mishadi the prophecy brings. But Amr Lamitas is a Guf I've had nothing better for the body than to keep quiet, and therefore, even though the Rabbi said there's a minor in speak or there's a hatter to speak, as necessary for the body, it's, it's only as little as possible. Now the other thing we said is that this a person can speak the person wants to teach wisdom. Now this is the Khilislam. That which we said that you can discuss, you can share words of Khachma, words of Torah. Here also, Say as little as possible. Don't go into long explanations. Rather say the fewest words possible. That's the Gemara says that was the instruction from the Chachamim. Person should always teach a student in the most precise, in the most concise way possible, with the fewest words spent. If you spend a lot of words. To explain a very small point, that's a sign of foolishness. Just like a dream comes with lots of detail which isn't necessary, same thing with what someone who's foolish says, he uses too many words, he explains it in too much detail. He is too elaborate, too much elaborates, and that's a mistake. When it comes to Chachma, a person should also choose to say as little as possible. Now, the Gemara says that. Rashi explains the Gemara because that's easier to memorize. 
Imagine says since we have uh, we try and memorize the halachas, so the, the more long-winded it is, the more difficult it is to memorize. If everything is short and sharp and concise, it makes it easier to memorize. And therefore, if a rabbi teaches the Talmud, the day of Torah, it's enabling the Talmud to remember better what he said. Ram's not in the Gemara that. Ram's learning the reason why it's important to see to speak as little as possible is because it's a mile inch thick. And the more you speak, the more it's ruining the mile of shtick. And therefore, even when it comes to Torah, don't say too much because Chaval, you're ruining the mile of shtick. And that is the explanation. If you're going to talk about that the reason why a person shouldn't speak is because they're more likely to make mistakes. So if a person is trying to explain the Sugi, he's trying to explain the Torah, why he always is more likely to make mistakes. If you worry the fact that a person speaking too much is Bittles man, it's wasting time, or wasting speech, or whatever you want to call it, yeah, I'm not wasting speech, I'm explaining Torah. So why when it comes to teaching Torah, here also, that the Ramans see the value of not speaking, speaking as little as possible, and because there's a matter of shtika. There's a matter of shtika. It be that for a person, the, the read of shtika is only acquired when it's across the board, you can't acquire the meat of shtika properly if sometimes you speak a lot and sometimes you speak a little bit. But why? why? What's the mind of the meat of shtika even while I'm learning? There's no mind. But if I'm going to speak a lot while I'm learning, then I will <coughs> acquire the meat of shtika, which will affect me when I'm not learning. I'm, I'm asking, you know? Why is it a lot or a little? It's, just, it's based on essential things. So let's start to the beginning. And that is, let's go back to the beginning of the round. I'm going to explain. Address the question: What's the matter of sticker? Is the matter of sticker just a negative, and that is that way I won't do things wrong. So as 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 prevention, the more I talk, the more I like to make mistakes. So it's a way to uh, avoid mistakes, and uh, that that's not giving a matter to sticker. That's just uh, saying that speech is something potentially dangerous. Speak less, you're avoiding a danger. We're gonna, we see that that's even though that's true. The Maisa is, there's a Maisa Tishtika also. In other words, there's a, there's a, a, a positive uh, value to learning how to keep quiet, besides the fact that that way you're preventing mistakes. In other words, the same idea. The Gemara says that uh, a person who can shamech a positive shaysef, can hear someone else embarrassing him and he keeps quiet, and he gets tremendous reward for that. It's not just because if you're going to speak back and you're going to fight back and you're going to shout and scream at the other person, it's going to just es- es- escalate, it's going to exacerbate the fact. That's that's one area. There's a minor to learning how to keep quiet. What's the minor of shikha? So the Ram doesn't tell us from first what it is. He just talks about the oil. A person should always be married with shikha. And, uh, and that's something so worthwhile and even in areas where a person is allowed to talk, or even he should talk, no, not more than you need to do, it shouldn't be forget, it shouldn't affect the koyach of shtika. What is the koyach? What, what, how do you define what the value of keeping quiet is, and why it's something which is so worthwhile to have? So like I said, the himself, I don't have a rifle, he doesn't talk about it directly, but we have in the Mufoshim a number of, a number of ideas. So, there are a number of reasons why why there's a value to shlika. The first one, the first one, and that is, let's explain it like this. They say about Rabbi Rucham. 
or Yerbiyachim said about the altar, I remember, but they said that when, when he came to a certain understanding, a certain Havana, so he used to wait five years before he trade with anybody. He came to a certain depth, a certain Chiddush, a certain awareness or something. So he didn't straight away say the next time he spoke. He used to hold on to it for five years before he said. Not because he wanted to check it and he wanted to like, verify it's really right. No, it's a different reason. It was the same. He wanted to benefit from it. And he felt as long as it's something which is bad and he hasn't shared, so then he can still gain from gain from the inside, gain from the ideal. Berega is something that you publicize, that you, so to speak, uh, opened up about and discussed. It is its power. It is its power, and you see this. You see this pachush. A person, a person, something experiences it himself before they share it with anybody else has a much stronger impact. It's much more powerful. Berega, they talk about it and discuss it. It finally dissipates. It, it ruins a koyach. Uh, now, that's used sometimes to, for a good purpose. The whole basic philosophy of psychology is if a person had an experience which is too powerful, too strong for them to cope with, the eighth is get them to talk about it. Whether it was ever a traumatic event it was or any sorrow that they went through, if it's the, 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 the impact or the effect they had on the person is too strong, the eighth is get them to talk. And the more they discuss it, the more they can talk about it, what it's really doing is lessening the impact. Exactly the suicide. Now, in the case where the impact is negative and the experience was bad, there's something beneficial to that. But the other way around works too. And that is something which had a positive impact on a person. They, the more they speak about it, the more they're going to ruin it. The more they're going to lessen its effect on them. The more they're going to lessen its effect on them. And therefore, something which I understand and has a strong, like, I gain from it. There's a certain koyak in that. In the, in the insight, in the realization, in the chiddush, in the idea, don't share it too fast. Because as soon as I share it, it's losing its impact on me. Now, I find not share it forever, losing it to teach Torah. But if I want to gain first from it myself, so you, you gain much more from something which is you haven't shared. Sharing it ruins its power. And I've seen this. Sometimes you hear a story, whatever it is, and it has a very strong impact on you. And Baragi is not telling people about it. it doesn't, you don't feel the same way about it. It doesn't have the same koyach anymore. That's the nature of when something is, so to speak, discussed. The more it's discussed, the more it's, it, 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 it loses its power. That's the first mile of shtika. The first mile of shtika is that a person retains, so to speak, the power of something by adapting not sharing it. By talking about it, it loses it. And people today are so used to, as soon as they hear something to share, as soon as they feel something to, to discuss with other people, they never get to gain from it. And this is one of the biggest errors in Musa. The biggest errors in Musa is, when a person comes to a certain realization, or a certain havana, or a certain connection to something, the person doesn't go around and tell everybody else about it. Not just because it's else the, the discussion with other people, it's else urinating it. You're ready for yourself the power of the impact. And the more that a person holds on to it, and other they leave it by themselves. They leave it by something which is going to have an effect on them, so the effect is stronger than what they're going to share. So that's the first point. The first mile of shtika is what a person doesn't share. What a person doesn't share is something which by them is still has, has, has its full impact. 
something which a person talks about or not, the more they discuss it, the more it loses that. That's one, that's number one. And that's why there's a mailer altogether. Don't have to keep quiet. Not everything has to be spoken about, not everything has to be shared. I don't know, but that's just cheapening it. That's just making the Kashus Arabim as opposed to the effect could have had on the Yachim. That's the first point. There's a second and a third point too. The second point, the Mailer Shteka, is the, the let's give a mushroom. The, the, the various experts in the world on education all bemoan the fact that uh, children are more and more losing their ability to think creatively, are losing their imagination, are losing their, their ability to look at things in the original way. And it's not just in Jewish society, it's across the world. And these same experts, what are they attributed to? A very interesting point. They say it used to be that if a child, that the way to get information was through books. Now, a book is just providing with words. So in your mind, you have to create the scene, create the story, imagine what it must have been there, to, to, like what's happening in the story, while well, you're telling the information. So a person needs a certain amount of imagination to work with it. Today, everything is, is audio-visual. Everything is a movie, everything is shown in a picture. If that's the case, there's no room for imagination. Because whatever you need to see. So I don't have to try and hear, read a story and hear about how everything's being described, and I imagine my mind what it's referring to. You just show me pictures the whole time. So there's never a room for me to have to think about, to use my mind to develop an idea, to, to, to be creative and think about something, because everything is uh, already presented to you in a, in a form where I just have to see it, and I don't have to use my mind at all. And it's not a Jewish study. In the non-Jewish world, so they're saying that ruins the children's ability to think creative, creatively. They never exercise their mind to have to think about something which wasn't given to them in full color, 3D, like, that, that there's nothing to think about. And that's just not much. The aside is the same thing. And that's what I mean. And that is, I want to develop his ability to think. I want to teach my Talmud something. So if I'm going to explain to it in every single detail, then I basically, I basically showed you the picture. So then I need to think about it. You can just listen to what I said, or look at the picture I showed. You know, it's all clear. It's true. But then, that, as, but on the other hand, all the detail, all that elaboration, it might clarify this very much. But it takes away his ability to think. It takes away ability, his ability to put together information in his mind and understand it. And that's why, if I'm going to share information, only the minimum necessary. That forces other person to use his mind to understand. And that's going to develop his ability to think. And therefore, even when it comes to a rabbi teaching his Talmud, and you think, why shouldn't I make it as clear and as, and as, as, as so to speak, easy to understand as possible? It helps and it doesn't help. Maybe it'll help him understand this point better, but it's taking away his ability to understand, to learn how to think, to learn how to understand. Whereas if I'm going to say something in words which don't provide all the detail, and now that's going to make him have to think and work it out and put it together and, and build it himself. So now that's going to that's going to give him the tools to learn to think. And that's why he's going to say, Siyad The way to encourage Chachma is to think. The, the more I keep quiet and leave it for the other person to have to work it out, the more I'm developing his Chachma. The more I talk and talk and talk and make everything so clear that all you have to do is some half in the air and you already understood everything. So then the less he's developing his Chachma. It's just... He's just giving everything, getting everything given to him.
And Zimela, it's, it's not a service. The, the, the din of the Rav, you're trying to encourage the Talmud to learn, is to encourage him to think, is to encourage him to be able to understand on his own. And in order to do that, I have to minimize how much I say and force him to think to understand, and that's going to give him that code. That's the second element of Shtikin. And so therefore, the, second, the first matter we said is the impact on the person himself. And the more I share, the more I lose the power of what I'm saying. And the second point? The intensity. Intensity. The second point is that the, the, as a teaching tool, if I want to encourage the other person's ability to understand, so the more I make him work it out, and the less information I give him, and let him work it out on his own, the more he's, I'm training him how to think. The more I give him everything straight out, so then the less he's able to think. And again, that's something we see more and more. Right? If, if it used to be that uh, teaching was this valid principle, and I give examples, and let the person work it out on their own, you train them how to do it. If today teaching is here, I'm giving you all the information, I just learned it off a heart so you can write a test on it, so then what's left to do? What's left to do? And it's not just in the Goshen, it's in our world too. A mold used to be that if I was to sit down, then a Tosfos, then a Shach, then a complicated Rabbi Kivayga, so they had to work it out themselves. But now, now everything is, is, is simplified and oversimplified, and you're going to say, the Shach says this. So just remember, memorize that. Rabbi says this, memorize it. So it takes for any ability to think. You're just making things so easy that people just take information, hold on to it, and then, but then people don't have to think. And to think. And that's the second method. And the problem with the, the Maila of Shtika is that the Siyag the Chachma. Shtika enables the other person to learn how to think. And the less I say, the more he has to look at, so the more develops that he, that he has to think. That's what he means. That what you meant to come to is a lot of points, but I don't tell it to you. I tell you the minimum so that it gives you the room and the scope to work out those other points on your own. Okay, that's the second method. Now, there's a third point here also, which I heard from Rabbi Rabbi I've said it a few times in Shirin, but it's a very, it's a very deep point. And Rabbi said like this. He used to talk about the Maharal, who talks about Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, the Prophet says about him, and he has Kfad Peh and Kfad Lashem, which means he had difficulty with his mouth and difficulty with his tongue. Now, how, what was wrong with Moshe's tongue? We know, it's a famous measure that when he was a two-year-old, he put a boiling coal in his mouth and kind of damaged his tongue. So, yeah, around the time, he's a Why is he quite pet? What's wrong with his mouth? So, the morale says like this. The morale says, Moshe had difficulty speaking. Why? He said, because if, let's say, this, at, uh, let's say just explaining the concept first, um, you go to the Chassan. Uh, just after you'd be a reporter. And you'd go to the chassan who's just stepped out of the chuppah and put a mic under his mouth and say, Tell me, sir, how do you feel right now? He's probably going to have difficulty trying to uh, find the words to describe the feeling. Um, similarly, if and many people have tried this. Someone wanted to try and interview a Holocaust survivor. And say, so, so describe to me, how did you feel during the war? The chances are not going to get an answer. Not because the person doesn't doesn't remember, he remembers very well, but because the, he doesn't have the words to describe it. Anything which is too powerful, words don't do a good job. You can say I'm happy, I'm excited, but yeah, I can be happy about the fact that uh, you know that something very small happens. I can be excited about the fact that someone gave uh, someone told me good information. 
we're talking about something which is causes much more happy happiness or much more excitement, then the words aren't really meaningful. And therefore, when the feeling is too strong, people have difficulty finding the words to describe it, whether it's good or it's bad. Now, the morale uses, I'm just saying as a marshal, the morale uses that concept to talk about Chochmah. And he said, Moshe had difficulty speaking because the ideas we were talking about were so, so tremendous and so deep and so Kaddish that he didn't have the vac- he had to work hard to find the vocabulary to try and transfer the con- trans- transmit the concept. And the feeling was the words don't really do it justice. I can look for words, but there aren't really words. The idea is much deeper than the words. And because of that, what's the right word to use? How am I going to describe Kodesh? And even for us, I understand very little. But even then, we have a difficulty finding the right words to explain concepts of Rukhis. To explain concepts of Rukhis. For example, the person who says that during Kunkipi, he felt a sense of Kodesh. Okay, describe it. What did you feel? How are you going to describe it? I know what I felt, but well, I don't have the words. So I can try to think of it. You feel more elevated, you feel more distant from physical things, you feel more connected to something bigger, you feel more uh, like, like as if you're in a level above where you normally are. Whatever words I'm going to use, but I feel myself. It's not really conveying it properly. Because I don't have words. That's not, anything which is too deep, too strong, too profound, uh, too beyond what would normally people can talk about, so then it's difficult to say, use fine words to describe Now, if the way I understand something is just the words, then it's very easy. It's very easy. If I wanted to explain something which is a principle in words, then I can explain it in detail because it's not deeper than the words I'm saying. If I'm trying to convey something which I see is much deeper than the words I'm using to describe it, I find difficulty finding the words to explain it. And the morale says that's what most was quite pay. Because when he was trying to teach, his, his Hasaga of Torah was so great that whatever words he could use, he felt it's, 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 it's not good enough. It's not really conveying the depth of what's trying to be said. Now, that's the Mara. Now, I'm going to use that to explain the Rambam. What's the Mara of Shtika? The more a person tries to explain something, the atom, the more he's minimizing it to the words he's using. The more he's minimizing the concept to the words I'm using to explain it. And then it becomes something of explaining words. The more that a person leaves it to the shtika, which means work on thinking about the concept, work on understanding it without necessarily having words to discuss it with. So the more a person can relate to something which is deeper than just the words you use. That's the idea of Rashi Prakim? That's the idea of Rashi Prakim. You only master Rashi Prakim because the person, Kabbalah is too deep to bring the words. And it has to come to that level of maybe redacting. I can just give them the direction to think, but the Hasogi has to come from from the person's own ability to, to, to work with it. Why did Hashem make it that way? Why did Hashem make it that there are no tools to describe deep concepts? Hashem should have just as well... Hashem is deeper than Bibo. It's a higher level. There's a, there's a higher level. There's a level above Bibo. And when you see this the most, you see this by Bachram Yishevik Tana. Bachram Yishevik Tana. That, you know, they heard it, Lam Nishashir and Yishevik Edema. Like a hakira and different pshatim and different studying of explaining the svar and the londas. They said, so is it like this or is it like that? And you can see they don't know what they're talking about. They've just been told the words to say. This uh, is one example. Every shavitana vachanaz, every chanaz hakira. Is miga a kaychataina or is miga a neemanas? And they can argue that. If miga is a kaychataina, miga is neemanas, is a riot like this, it's a riot like that. It's a stuff, it's a stuff. What does the difference mean? 
in your own words, leave out the numbers words of Chalais and Kayachtain and Kayachtain and Kayachtain and all these other things, explain to me what the, what the idea means. And you'll see most times, when there's a lot of things, they actually don't know. They've been trained to use words. The words are like this, or the words are like that. But if you start identify with the concept, what does it mean? What does it mean? What's the difference? How does it apply? Explain to me, like think about it for a bit, and explain to me, and I've always tell Bakr, only use English words. Explain to me. Explain to me what the idea means just in English. Don't use any never make no Hebrew, no catchphrases in Londres. Explain to me the difference in Swara between the two things. And you'll see most times they can't. And that's what it means, minimizing learning to a level of words. I know the words to say. But I understand what I'm talking about. And the concept of Makshava is, the words are meant to explain the idea, but the idea is something which makes sense. There's a logic, there's a lambda, there's understanding. And that's, that's why also, be Marvishtika. Marvishtika means, yes, a person has to teach, but make the Ikka point of learning the, 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 the part which isn't spelled, spelled out in words. The words are meant to convey what a person is meant to think about and understand. And that means shtika. That means the kind of a person's makshava, the kind of a person's mind, of a person's thoughts, as opposed to just the kind of finding the words which, which are, are used to, as a way to, so to speak, lower things to the level of just the, the words being spoken rather than the idea behind it. Anyway, for any of these two reasons, we have the side of the Rambam. Now, the person should always be married shtika because that has the kayak either to preserve the intensity of something, to train people how to think, or to direct the, the thoughts to an area which is deeper than or more, more, more logical, connected to something more than just the words being used to explain it. We'll explain next time.